Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. This is the Life Coach Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio, and I'm delighted to have with us today as our guest, Iranian-American opera singer and dating coach, Raika Yagmai. I'm your host, Jan Jaffe. Welcome to In-Depth. Raika Yagmai is founder and CEO of Dating with Confidence. She's also certified by the International Coach Federation, the ICF, and is an Energy Leadership Index Master Practitioner with five years of experience as a successful dating and relationship coach. As an international dating coach, she works with women from around the world in North America, Europe, East Asia, Middle East, and Australia, and helps them create their ideal love life. Raika is an expert in coaching smart and savvy women on how to date and find love with quality men who share their life and love goals. Her clients are high-achieving women who have created success in many areas of their lives and now need the missing link to help them create success in their love life as well. She excels in teaching chronically single women how to create and maintain the caring and committed relationship they desire but haven't been able to find on their own. She also has extensive experience coaching women around releasing unrequited love and recovering from breakups and divorce. Raika's expert insight, guidance, compassion, and energetic attitude enables her clients to do the in-depth work required to transform their dating style on a deep level level. Clients emerge from their work with her radiating the kind of true self-confidence and self-love that not only makes them magnetic and irresistible, but also causes them to attract and choose the high-quality relationship-worthy partners who they may not have sought out in the past. An Iranian-American woman born and raised in Tehran, Raika is an expert in intercultural dating. Her coaching brings a unique understanding for women of Eastern cultures living in Western countries and helps them create success in their love lives. In addition to traditional Western relationship, Raika offers first-hand knowledge of the unique dating dynamics that women of different cultures may face. She offers compassionate and honest guidance, coaching her clients on how to navigate a dating culture that is different from their own. She's worked with Muslim Iranians, Jewish Iranian, Indian, Chinese, Filipino, and Israeli clients who live abroad and face challenges in dating in a culture outside of their own. An actively performing professional opera singer, Raika's vivacious performer's personality, combined with her 22 years of audition and stage experience, provide her clients with a multifaceted and fun approach to dating and finding love. Raika has helped countless women to overcome dating stage fright, anxiety, and fear of rejection, drawing from her experience as a professional performer. Raika's coaching educates and empowers single women to date with confidence, grace, 
playfulness, and curiosity in the 21st century. Once clients follow her dating success system, they will not only be able to access a deep sense of self-love and self-confidence, but they will learn how to overcome their feelings of dating frustration and romantic rut and create an amazing new life filled with limitless possibilities and the love they've been searching for. I am so excited to have Raika Yagmai as my guest on today's show. Welcome, Raika. Oh, thank you so much, Jan. Thank you for that introduction. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we are just delighted to have you. So I'm thrilled that we're going to be getting started and that you're here today with us. The number here is... (laughs) That's great. (laughs) The number here is 646-716-9397. We welcome your calls, questions, comments, and contribution to the discussion. We love your participation. So the number again is... 646-716-9397. So, Raika, first of all, I just want to say what an absolute treat it is to have you here on the show today as a guest. So um, please tell us a little bit about your personal story, your beginning in Tehran, and how and when you left Iran and came to the United States. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, I moved to the United States in 1993, and uh, it was the day President Clinton was inaugurated, so you could just uh, imagine my my shock when I saw him playing the saxophone on TV coming from <laughs> Iran. <laughs> it was it was fascinating. Um, and, yeah, I uh, I just, you know, I, I came here and I first started to study architecture and that wasn't really a, a match, and, and I got into music, and I went all the way to get my post-grad, and, um, and from Los Angeles moved to San Francisco, and I, um, it's just, it's been, it's been quite an interesting journey, and of course, you know, back in Iran, I um, have this experience of living in the war, and seeing a revolution, and my goodness, I mean, it's, 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 it's been a, it's been quite a journey in a short time for sure. Wow, it certainly sounds like it. Uh, I know you just glossed over so much there. There's so much. I mean, you came over, you were rather young still, um, mm-hmm. although uh, you. I know that you were uh, five when the revolution started in Iran. Um, so I don't know if you want to talk about any of that or how you have used that experience in your, you know, your performing and your opera career. Absolutely. I mean, I I can tell you that all of this, you know, being, you know, I was five when the revolution happened, and uh, it, it's a scary time. You know, it's scary times. We couldn't go on the streets. There were, um, you know, we... Um, Gosh, I forgot the word uh, for it, but curfew. There were curfews. I mean, there were a lot of <coughs> shooting on the streets. And, um, you know, as a five-year-old, you, you just, you're trying to make sense of everything. And um, my parents were trying to normalize everything as much as they could um, for us. Uh, and then, you know, I was, I was seven when the war broke out. My brother was actually born 
on the night that Tehran got attacked. Um, so, you know, for uh, I could tell almost all of my childhood, uh, all all to when I was 16 years old, up until I was 16 years old, was about war. And uh, I, part of me, you know, we, you and I talked about this before. Part of me wants to just uh, bury that and not talk about it because it's so painful and so scary. But part of me really uses it as, um, you know, I always say I've survived the war. I can survive anything. <laughs> so audition, schmaudition. You know, it's like it it looks so small, uh, the rejections from, you know, the singing career, which you also being an office singer, you understand how how grueling it is and how vulnerable it is to put yourself out there all the time. In fact, last night I got a rejection via email, you know. So, and I look at it right now and I'm like, oh, I totally forgot about that. I got a rejection, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's just like I, I guess I use it as to being resilient and mm-hmm. thankful. And, I mean, so many people, I have friends, neighbors who lost their lives in that war. And, and people who have had it much worse than I, I did, like a hundred times worse than what I did. I didn't even have it bad. So I, I, all I can do is to be grateful. And, and it's, I think it's my responsibility to use that experience to be better, be a better person and, and be at my highest potential. You know, you, you, the universe gave me the gift of surviving. And instead of being a martyr and a, and a victim to it, I choose to say, well, good, I, glad I have that tool in my pocket. I've seen bombs. How many people can say that? <laughs> mm. Absolutely. I mean, what, a, what a, a, an expression of strength and, um, and also gratitude. I mean, that's what I hear you saying in that, that you know, you, you look at it and you use this with with auditioning for example or just or how you experience rejection which is is so common in this field as you and I both know and any opera singers that are listening rejection is part of it and yeah. resiliency is so important and you know most Americans have no idea what it's like to yeah. live in a war zone or to experience any of that so um the fact that you're able to say, you know, you go into an audition and say to yourself, as you had mentioned to me the other day, you know, well, this is nothing. This is just an audition. I lived through a war, you know, so you're able to take it, right? You're able to take it and and use it constructively, but not necessarily define everything about yourself through that. I mean, from what from what I know of you, you define yourself as an opera singer and a dating coach. And the other is part of your story, and it's part of um, the things that make you you, but it doesn't necessarily define you. Is that, is, am I right? That? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. I, I refuse for circumstances to define me. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, now I've learned, you know, before I didn't know that, but I really mm-hmm. refuse and I try to be mindful about it. I am not the circumstances. I am not the past. I am who I choose to be. And, um, mm-hmm. 
You know that saying, every moment gives you the opportunity to choose who you are right? how you want to experience that moment. Um, so, you know, um, that's really what it is. Right, and you don't you don't live in victim mentality. You know, it's like, oh God, this happened to me, and you didn't move forward. I mean, your life, as you mentioned, I mean, your this is part of your story. But you know, also living in the as you mentioned, the past. The past is while it affects us. Um, the past is like you know walking in the sand. You know, those footsteps in the sand, the only ones that are really there uh, are the ones that we're making at the moment we're making them. The ones that we've left behind can be washed over, either either moved away by, by wind or water. So they vanish. And that's kind of the past is is behind us. It doesn't exist anymore. It's there maybe to teach us something, but all that, that we have is is the present, what we're doing now, how we're thinking now, and that creates our future. We're constantly yes. creating our future. So, Absolutely. Um, so I want to get into, if it's, you know, I want to get into your career as an opera singer. So, mm-hmm. um, and and I tell our, our listeners that you live out on the West Coast in, in, in the Bay Area. And um, so I'm, and you have an, a, a successful career as an opera singer. So please tell us, um, if you wouldn't mind, a little bit about how long you've been singing, how you got into this career, and, you know, and how you've managed to build an opera career here in the United States. Because it's so hard for anybody, even a native, well, I shouldn't say a Native American, because we're those of us who, who live here and have ha- had maybe our families have been here one generation. We're not really Native Americans, but sure, you know, people sure. who I were born, <laughs> people who were yeah. you know born here. It's so hard to create that career. So here you've come over from Iran, and you've built this successful um, opera singing career. So please, uh, we'd love to hear about this. Well, um, I mean, I kind of opera fell in my lap. I I had no idea that um, that's even something available to me. You know, I as I said, I really grew up in a very tumultuous time in Iran. So um, I personally had no idea that I, that that could be something I could do. And as I said at the beginning, when I moved here, I was uh, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to study architecture. Um, so. Um, you know, opera just came, and I fell in love with it. I, uh, I, I always had a hard time communicating, and this actually will tie back to the story of being a dating coach. But um, communication was really difficult for me, and I had all these thoughts in my head, but I didn't have words, and a lot of times I would become angry because I didn't know how to express myself. And um, so, so I thought if I actually get to sing as loud as I can possibly sing, everybody will listen. <laughs> and um, I just love that feeling. I love that feeling of being able to just go, whoa, you know, just sing off the top of my lungs <laughs> and everybody's listening and shutting up. <laughs> so, um, and I love acting. I mean, that has always been something incredibly thankful you know, to God and nature, whatever we want to thank to. I, it's always been very natural to me. 
um, I haven't really worked hard as uh, on being an act, acting singer. So that was always very natural, and I always had it when I was a kid, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, I still to this day, if you leave me in a room with a mirror, you'll find me making all these different faces, and uh, I just naturally gravitate to doing that. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Jan, to, to say I have a successful operatic career, even to hear that is kind of like humbling because I don't think I do. And I think that a lot of us musicians, um, you know, feel like, you know, there is this kind of um, bigger place we need to go to. And that's what drives us. That's what gets us to go higher and higher. I have the same struggles. I mean, I had an audition today, actually, you know, two hours after our our talk is over. And I just keep going. And I, I guess I'm a successful opera singer or a successful musician because I never stop. Ain't mm. nothing stopping me. That's for sure. I do have moments that I get sad. I even cry. But I have created an amazing support system around me um, that includes my, you know, life partner, my boyfriend, my my um, coaches and voice teachers, and I have access to them. It's to, to think of myself as I have a successful career, I guess that's the part of it. I've never stopped. I do continuously sing, and I, I think what makes me really successful, and this is really this is something a friend of mine helped me understand it, is I'm I'm so grateful for the smallest gigs that I have. Whether I'm singing a night of opera in a winery in Napa or whether I'm giving a recital at a library or whether I'm doing the role of Despina in Cosipantuse with customs and orchestra on, on the set, they're all important to me and they're all they're, they all count. I used to not count the other ones and be like, oh, I just didn't get this role with this opera house. And now I create my own experiences as well. I don't wait for somebody to come and give me something because nobody is in charge of giving me an opportunity. I create those. So when, when I can, I create my own stuff. So I actually have this project called the Persian Melody Project where we're recording the first official city in June, and I've, I have been lucky and grateful, I'm grateful for the fact that there have been some orchestras that picked it up and I performed it with the orchestras. I created the opportunity, and, and I think, I guess, when it comes to tenacity, that's how I define myself as a successful musician. But I haven't sung at the Met, and I haven't sung at San Francisco Opera, and that's okay. That's like every doctor saying, I have to work at Stanford University. <laughs> to be successful. Mm-hmm. So I have my own definition of success, and I just never give up. I never give up on what my heart wants. Well, to me, that does sound like a definition of success, uh, persistence, tenacity. And everybody, if you look at every famous um, actor, for example, or celebrity, who who's got when they got started, they were doing all kinds of things. And it takes persistence. Um, and and like you know, consciously choosing. I mean, you create your uh, reality. You are creating the possibility for more work by constantly doing the work. And you're doing the work and and singing 
professionally or singing and getting out there, that is success. So um, I think you're being very humble. And, of course, those of us (laughs) who are in this career, we are a bit, uh, many people might look at us as perfectionists, but there is such a high level and standard of mastery and excellence that, that is required in this profession that we then we do define things often very differently than the rest of the world. But to the rest of the world, that would definitely be considered success. So I know we're a little awesome. harder on ourselves. <laughs> That's true. I have no problem with that. I love it. Thank you for, for that reflection. That's very, that feels really good. <laughs> well, that's good. You deserve it. So, um, <laughs> you, you know what? I don't know if everybody knows this. Or some people might, or many people listening might, but you're an IPEC and ICF certified and accredited coach. And for people who don't know, um, IPEC is the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching and has been rated by an independent rating um, institution as the number one. Uh, coaching institute, um, I think possibly in the world. Um, and the ICF is the, um, what is the Institute for? The International Coach Federation. Thank you. I, I knew I was on the wrong track. But that <laughs> is the the um, the uh, institution that uh, you, you can get an, a certification from your coaching school, but to get to be ICF certified and accredited is something else. It's you have to uh, have a certain number of hours coaching, and there are a lot of requirements, and then an exam. So that's quite a big deal. So you're the real deal. So um, <laughs> what I'd like to to ask you and share with our audience is what made you decide to become a dating coach. Oh wow! That yeah, that journey was. I I can tell that has been one of the most amazing journeys that I've been put on in in this lifetime. Um, you know, I I always struggled with my love life. Always, um, I didn't have confidence. I didn't think I'm beautiful. I didn't think I'm attractive. And it's really strange because I come from a family and parents that are just awesome, you know, awesome in a way that they didn't spoil me, but they always were supportive. And it was a really nice balance. So I can't tell like, oh, I grew up because my parents didn't think I'm good enough. Or, But for some reason, um, I just wasn't successful in dating and um, or love. And um, repeatedly I was in relationships that um, – I experienced men um, leaving and cheating on me, and it was the biggest thing that I was afraid of. You know, I have, I'm the first person to say I have major trust issues because of growing up in the war and growing up in the revolution. Um, so that is an, a continuous, you know, journey for me to really be aware of it and deal with it. And, and, Back when I wasn't as aware, that was really playing a big, big, big part in in me dating. And it's it's interesting how what I feared the most, which was somebody 
you know, cheating on me and betraying my trust um, would constantly happen to me. Um, And uh, I finally um, was in a relationship with with my ex-fiancé where he kept leaving. I mean, like literally I'd come home, the home was empty, and then he would come back. And I'd come home, the home was empty, and he would come back. And this happened three times. And um, the second time it happened, it really, I was obsessed with getting him back. I mean, obsessed. I I lost weight. I was like 96 pounds. I was, um, I mean, I went to like four hours of therapy per week. Um, and I really, unbeknownst to realizing that I'm actually working on myself, I thought I'm doing all this to get him back. But in the journey, I started working on me. And boy, was that eye-opening to to learn about yourself and to know how much you have power and how much you are capable of creating what you want. And as I was going through that um, journey, well, he came back, and lo and behold, as it was his pattern, and nine months later, I get a text message while I'm at an Apple store fixing my computer that I need to come home, and I come home, and of course, you know, he's packed. <laughs> and he, uh, he said he can't do it. It's very sex and the city kind of thing, like with a text message and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, and at that time, I was in power. I was on my journey. Not I wasn't empowered, but I was on my journey to becoming empowered. And I had changed. And it was amazing that I knew deep down it's a good thing that he's leaving this third time. I never thought I would feel that way. It was so powerful just looking at him and saying, that's okay. I don't want to be, and I remember exactly these are the words I said, I don't want to be with somebody who doesn't want to be with me. Mm-hmm. And and I remember him, you know, doing this, you know, it was a tenor, so he had this dramatic exit going down the stairs and then taking two steps back looking at me. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no, don't. And I was like, listen, honey, don't, please don't ever look back. Just keep moving forward. And, oh, my gosh, that was, like, something I had never done. I was never the one who would end a relationship. And I did, I mean, in this, in this case, it was very collaborative. You know, he, he, he initiated, and I kind of, like, said, okay, great, yes, please, go. But it was so empowering to know I am okay. And... That's when I was actually studying at IPEC, and I knew, I knew whatever I do is going to be, you know, love and relationship. I had been so lost up until then, and I, through this, you know, through my own journey and also the coaching program that, you know, we went through at IPEC, I just realized how much we have control over creating what we want and that I'm not willing to settle for anything less than what my heart desires. And um, I just knew, I knew love would be, would be the, the pattern that, I, I mean, the, the niche that I want to work in. And I just had so much to say. And, 
and I guess part of it is also I I am so I have so much compassion for women who are on that journey because we all deserve to be loved and have love. I remember one night I was just like crying by myself and saying, but I have so much to give. It wasn't so much that I wanted to actually get love. I had so much inside to give and I didn't have anybody to give it to. And and that's when I realized, wow, that's what dating is about. It's about knowing that not only I want to have love, but I want to give love. Mm-hmm. And in all this stuff, it started revealing itself. And um, so that's that's the, kind of a longer answer to your question of why oh, dating coaching. No, that's a wonderful answer. You really ex- express so much, so much about your transformation and your growth. And, you know, one of the things that I that I heard was um, basically, I mean, you had this fear around, around, well, you had a trust issue because this is kind of what you, this very hard lesson um, from your childhood. And it wasn't from your family, but it was just... Um, I, you know, I, I remember as a very young child when uh, Kennedy, or you know, when uh, JFK was shot and was assassinated, and it was shocking because as a child, and I was older already than than you were when the revolution started, but it undermines your sense of safety and security and trust in what you always thought was, you know, just the way it was, um, and you realize that. The ground is not necessarily so uh, so stable beneath your feet, and as a child, that is really it really affects you. So basically, mm-hmm. it's kind of like what you fear or your biggest fear, which is about trusting people, is what we actually attract when we have so much fear in us, and it whether we're aware of it or not, it's affecting how we think and how we behave and how we believe, we end up actually attracting that. So, yeah. you know, after you started doing the work on yourself and studying at IPEC and you realized, as you said so beautifully, that we have control over creating uh, our lives, what we want. And when you mm-hmm. you changed from being in victim mode, basically being at the effect of everything around you and that you had the ability to create things and make conscious choices and that you were going to be okay and basically know who you are and being able to to sort of dial into what it is that you wanted and what you're about, meaning that you have so much love to give and that being with the wrong person, if I can use that terminology, uh, you know, it's it's like trying to use a rock as a sponge and you want to do your dishes and you have all this water, but the rock is not going to absorb it. So if, if yeah. we choose a partner who's like a rock rather than a sponge, we our love is just going to bounce off them. They won't absorb it. So mm-hmm. I don't know that it's kind of an image, yeah. but is that sort of in alignment yeah. with what you were saying? Oh. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it yes, exactly. And, That's it, it what totally, it is. and I just think yeah, go ahead. 
I was going to say it totally makes sense that, you you know, in, in what you described that you'd want to be a dating coach because it was such a huge life-opening and affirming lesson for you, your experience that you want to share this with other women. And it is a huge challenge for so many women, especially today. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's just an absolute gift that you're giving to everyone. I just want to take this moment to remind people that we are we would love to hear from you and the number here is um uh 646-716-9397. And I just want to take a moment to mention our sponsor because here on the Life Coach Radio Networks, we are proud to have as our sponsor Audible.com. Audible.com is the leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the Internet, offering customers a new way to enhance and enrich their lives every day. Audible is the preeminent provider of spoken word audio products, which include more than 100,000 audio programs from more than 1,800 content providers. Receive a free audiobook with your 30-day trial when you sign up with Audible today at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. Now, here are some Audible books related to today's topic. Never Chase Men Again, 38 Dating Secrets to Get the Guy, Keep Him Interested, and Prevent Dead-End Relationships, written by Bruce Bryans. To Date a Man, You Must Understand a Man, The Keys to Catch a Great Guy, Dating and Relationship Advice for Women, Volume 7, written by Greg Michelson. Your Brain on Love, The Neurobiology of Healthy Relationships, written and narrated by Stan Tatkin, and The Verbally Abusive Relationship, How to Recognize It and How to Respond, written by Patricia Evans. So don't forget to sign up for a one-month free trial to get your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. Audible.com, making listening a tool for life. And now, back to our show. So, um, you know, I hear over and over from so many women out in the dating world who believe that there are few good men out there who want relationships and marriage. So I'm just curious, what is your experience with that? Oh, I, I totally don't believe in that. I mean, I always tell my clients, the thing that our our planet Earth doesn't have little of is um, population. (laughs) Mm. So, you know, it's so easy just because our experience has been to to not find um, the right marriage um, that we come up with this conclusion and kind of come up with this, you know, in uh, kind of set in stone, actually, like as if that's the that's the word of like that. There's been studies done, and you know, institutions behind this idea of there are not a lot of good men to date. It would be, it's just our belief system that has created that based on our experiences in the past. Okay, so, I call so that it's a kind big of big limiting belief. 
Right. So it's a limiting belief and also kind of an assumption that, well, you know, if all the men that I've dated before um, cheated on me, then all the rest of them will too. Exactly. So it's kind of Right. So women have to change their belief system. So I guess in in alignment with that or in a, and along those lines, so how would a woman discern the difference between a good man who is, you know, let's say she's found a good man, but how does she discern the difference between a good man who is never going to move the relationship forward and one who will? So actually this is a really good question because um, and there is more material on this that the listeners can can take um, in and, and read. Um, I actually... My free training on uh, on my website is about this, you know, the broken picker solution, how to read men. There are what I call men who are who come across as relationship ready, and then mm-hmm. there is the relationship ready guy. And you know, there, you know, basically, the 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 one that's not relationship ready is the one that you know, your gut knows the relationship is not moving forward, you are not, you know, kind of going to the next step of intimacy and closeness and partnership with them, and it's like you get crumbs from them, right? But you're not getting the whole deal. Mm. Like, you're not getting the cake, you're getting the crumb. So often, in fact, I was just working with, with a Beautiful. I mean, I mean, beautiful client um, who um, you know is a physician, and she is stuck in this relationship with an almost an imaginary guy who lives in another state, and um, who is giving her crumbs. Hmm. And you know, and it saddens me because. Because if you want to be in a relationship, then you've got to really first know what do you want. What is it that you want? What is it that you're not going to settle for? As opposed to, you know, being at the mercy of whether the guy is going to move things forward or not. Absolutely. And I, I, what I do with my clients is, um, you know, really having, um, I work with them uh, through this process of finding their non-negotiables, knowing what their non-negotiables are. And we're not talking about 12 or 16 of them, because most, <laughs> most everybody comes up with that many. Um, and then my, my answer is, well, why don't you date yourself? Um, <laughs> but we're talking about, like, you know, between five to, to six non-negotiable and the rest of it you figure out together and if a guy is not willing to collaborate then that guy is not the right guy Mm-hmm. that's a wonderful answer so uh because i know a lot of women you know they're concerned about well i don't want to seem too needy or too demanding so i would imagine you probably hear that too from from your clients. Yes, all the time. And you know, it's it's women um and in our society there is this kind of um kind of like um 
disempowering message that if women ask for what they want, they're not ladylike or they're mm-hmm. being bossy or bitchy, you know. And so a lot of times women pull back and they don't ask for what they want. Or if they do ask for what they want, they are um, kind of very masculine in their energy, mm. which is the one that men translate as bossy and bitchy and, and high maintenance. Mm-hmm. So it's so important, and that's why in my process, you know, I'm not a matchmaker or I can't even tell you, I can't as a coach, and you know this, Jen, we cannot tell our clients what to do. We empower them to make right. their best choices. Mm-hmm. My job is to show a woman what are the ways in which she can ask for what she wants. So that the guy is going to listen. And you know what? Here's the deal, ladies. Not all guys are going to listen. Mm-hmm. And those are not the match. The right. guy that does respond to your feminine communication, and I'm not talking about girly girl. <laughs> not that. I don't mean that. I mean open, vulnerable, honest, grounded communication, mm-hmm. non-combative communication. The guy that responds to that, then that's, that's the guy. Not, not, that's one part of it, but it's really important for women to, do, to know that, listen, I am so capable and I have all the permission to ask for what I want. You absolutely need to get your needs met. You want to get your needs. You deserve to get your needs met. And that is and such right a challenge. Guy, yeah, yeah, it is. And the right guy, Jan, is going to respond. I can't tell you time and again it, um, in my own relationship. If I get masculine about it, and which I can because, you know, I run a business and, you know, I, I do have that masculine side of me and I'm a CEO of Dating with Confidence and I, you know, I, I'm running my singing career. So, in many, you know, I have people who work for me. So it's very easy for me to be in that kind of like chop, chop, you know, one, two, three, next kind of <laughs> militaristically uh, kind of military mindset. And I've, I've it time and again. When I'm in that zone, my boyfriend doesn't even hear me. Mm. And when I use feminine communication, it's like magic. It's like oh, so it sounds like yeah. So it sounds like you you work with your clients also on teaching them about feminine communication and feminine energy. So um, you know, and that's very important so that we can communicate properly, getting back to what you were talking about earlier, communication. So I'm curious, because, again, a lot of women ask this sort of question, how long should women date, do you think, before giving up on an exclusive relationship? You know what, what? and I'm going to stack this because with the next question, because I think they're kind of both, you know, related. So how long should women date before giving up? And also how and when should women have the quote-unquote conversation with their boyfriend Mm -hmm. if he hasn't brought up the future with them? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you mean how long should women um, 
um, give up on on a particular person, right? Not on relationships, but a particular right person. on with a particular person. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm one of those coaches who doesn't have rules. Like, I don't believe in, okay, you give them three months and two weeks, Mm -hmm. and that's the formula. Because we know that that's not going to work. Everybody Mm -hmm. has their own threshold. Everybody has their own timeline. Everybody has um, their own comfort zone. Mm -hmm. But here is the deal. If your goal is to be in a committed relationship with a man, and that's absolutely a priority to you, obviously if you are with a man who after six months you're still at the same place you were before, then then there's something going on. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. If you If it's not moving forward, well, then the question is not how long do I stay in a relationship and give up. The, the, the question underneath that is how, how in alignment is this with what I want in my life? How in alignment is this situation with my dream, ideal vision of being in partnership with a man? That's a very, very good question for for women to ask themselves when they're dealing with that, with that challenge or that question for themselves. You know, where mm-hmm. where is this going? Or um, so, how is this in alignment? Because women are often so um, wrapped up in the love they feel for a man, and also sometimes yes. just in the vision of what it is that they want. You know, envisioning this free future. So, um, so how do you advise and, if you do or discuss with your clients the the, the quote unquote conversation? Yes, I was just about to get to that. So, that, okay. so here is the deal. First of all, when you meet a guy, um, I always tell my clients collect information, collect, 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 collect information. You know, it's so easy, and this this goes back to. You know, when I uh, when we're working in in the uh, dating, you know, using the dating success system that I have, for the first forty to even sixty days, depending on the client, um, we take a break from dating because here is the deal, ladies. Until you work on yourself, until you know what you want and who you are. And really taking a serious and deep look into those limiting beliefs that drives you in your dating and love life or anything in life. But, I mean, now we're talking about dating and love life. It's practically impossible to go out there and create change because we're operating on the same level of thinking that we were before. So Mm -hmm. if a woman's thinking is, I'll never find the right guy. There are not a lot of good men out there. All the good men are taken. Nobody's going to love me. I'm not lovable. And then this mm-hmm. guy comes along that gives a little attention to them. That's when it's so easy to fall in the trap of being with the wrong person. Because we haven't figured out those thoughts for ourselves. So then we stay in a relationship with a guy that's giving us crumbs. 
and not the cake. And then we just keep, and we get happy because we're like, well, at least he's paying attention to me or at least I'm not alone. Loneliness is something that so often women are so afraid of and rightfully so. Oh, my gosh, I've been there. I hate it. I know how that feels. I, I mean, I get it when a client says, I don't want to be alone. I'm, I'm with you, sister. I get it. Mm-hmm. But do you not want to be alone? Or do you, I mean, do you want a roommate? Do you just want somebody who's their ghosting kind of, not ghosting because that's a actually popular term in dating these days, but like acting like a ghost kind of like is there but it's not there? So it's really important to, act, to really know what do I want? What are my beliefs around dating? What am I telling myself about dating and love life and love and men? And if you're operating on anything that's not in alignment with your vision of love, that needs to be addressed first. And once you have that, knowing the timing as to when to give up on a guy or, and it's not giving up. It's really, it's like auditioning. You know, it's like they're not a match. You can't count mm. them in your life. And if you're, and as you said, if you're totally um, dependent upon receiving love from, you know, or, or um, because from some from an outside source rather than from within. For example, if you feel totally unlovable, or if you're insecure, and so the, you know, you you just you're prey in a sense for anyone who comes along and gives you attention and makes you feel loved then you are at the effect and you have no control over your own life and your own love relationship so you know i just want to um there's a couple of other things i wanted to touch because we're we're so getting close to the end of of the hour i can't believe it um i just wanted (laughs) to know Yeah, I wanted to know some of, you know, what quickly, what would you suggest as some of the best places for women to meet quality relationship-minded men? Well, okay, so this is interesting. I can't guarantee where, you know, where the forum for quality relationship-ready men are, right? We don't have something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, right, we, we just don't. That's really up to... It's a journey, just like finding a job mm-hmm. and just like finding friends. You know, there are there are relationship ready men and and not relationship ready men everywhere. Um, but places to go and meet meet guys. Um, one of the things that I really suggest to um, my clients is look up on Meetup.com and find your interest um, groups there, because uh, you know if if you're somebody who's athletic. Um, you know, especially people who live in bigger cities, there are a lot of uh, meetup organizations like, you know, hiking for singles or, uh, you know, jogging for singles, you know, that that's their wine tasting for singles or theater experience or French speaking or, you know, like basically interest groups. That's a really good place to start, um, you know. Um, I think good men are everywhere, honestly. And I'll tell you this, chance. And, and all the ladies are, you know, who are listening. Um, I was one of those people who believed, I had this theory, and I live in San Francisco, I had this really strong theory that 
um, you that there's no good men in San Francisco. <laughs> They're either men who are gay, and I love them so much. Are my friends? I, you know, I, being an opera singer, but a lot of my friends are gay, and I just adore them. But they are not people that I can obviously date. And and the ones that are straight are so um, stuck up and kind of fool themselves. Like that was my theory, right? That was the belief <laughs> that I coined it. So guess what? For 12 years of living in San Francisco, I dated long distance and I dated men who all left one after another. Mm-hmm. And after that incident with my fiance and after really working on myself, one day I decided this is ridiculous. This is just a thought. And and I literally wrote it on a piece of paper and I tore it. And I said, goodbye, this is done. I'm done with this thought. This city is seven miles by seven miles, and it's pretty condensed with people. My, my love is right, right around here. I don't know exactly what street he's on, but I know he's here. And I refuse to think otherwise. And within, I think it was nine months after I thought that way, that my Tim came along. Hmm. Well, that's such a lovely story. I love that. That's great, and it's a great lesson for women. And, for you know, women. Jan, you know, I'm sorry, because this is really important. It's not about, oh, you know, I just changed my thought and it happened, like I just looked at something and it changes. No, it's because my attitude changed. When I would go to coffee shops, and this is where you're talking about, you know, where to meet men, mm-hmm. I smiled. I would smile at guys. I didn't care if they're single or married or whatever. I was just being a good, nice human, pleasant human, pleasant woman. And, you know, even to this day, I'm in a loving relationship. I, my, Tim is absolutely the love of my life. But even today, I go to coffee shops to work, and I constantly meet men, good men. I, I mean, I'm obviously not interested in them, but I always think, oh, who can I hook them up with? <laughs> I mean, always cross. Well, it's- so I, I never do that because I'm not a matchmaker, but I, I just want to, like, I, I wish my clients would be there, and I'm like, see, another really good guy. But that's the law of attraction in action. Most people don't understand what the law of attraction is. It's not just if I want something, it will come to me. It's the uh-huh. it's who you're being, right? It's the energy you're putting out there. It's who you are actually being that puts a certain energy out there. And, yes, it attracts people because I think all of us, either have, or most of us anyway, we know somebody. We've run into at least one person in our lives. We know somebody who we just love being around them because they they exude this wonderful energy. And you just, we want to absorb it. We want to be around it. So that is basically the law of attraction and action, who we are being. What energy we're putting out there is what attracts. Um, like that same sort of energy in other people, and that's what we're looking for. But until we change, until we can be this, you know, this other, I don't want to say this other person, but the best possible version of ourselves, um, we're going yes. to attract, uh, otherwise we're going to attract our fears. Our fears are going to be 
are going to be what's who we're being. So I have one absolutely, more question. Absolutely, absolutely. What, what are your thoughts around? I'm sorry. I was going to say, what are your thoughts around online dating? Because that is so huge, and people get when you when you have a conversation with people about that, you it gets you get a lot of passion from people. Some people are you know get immediately negative. Other people mm-hmm. sometimes people don't have any thoughts about it. But you either get very positive, uh, like you know passion from people, p- positive or negative. So I'm curious mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. your thoughts that you'd like to share with our listening audience. I'm one hundred percent. Uh, pro online dating, and these, and this is why I said I say that I will teach you how to date in the 21st century, because online dating is a big part. Uh, technology, using apps, you know, being online, part of our culture now, our living culture, and not wanting to go, not wanting to do online dating is just. Um, like saying I don't want to have a smartphone or I don't want to have an email address. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it is a place of meeting qualified guys. And guess what, ladies? It's also the place that you're going to meet a lot of unqualified guys. But it's a place where you're going to meet guys. They're all in one place. It's focused. And then it's up to you to to you know, learn the tools and skills to know, okay, is somebody showing a red flag? How do I communicate that red flag? How do I, you know, do I stay with this person or do I not? And, you know, I I just last year had a client who um, did the online dating, got married, and just recently had a baby um, just like last wow. week. And uh, I myself met Tim online on OkCupid. I'm a big fan of Match.com and OkCupid. Match, you have to pay. OkCupid is free. But there are also a lot of other sites that, you know, it's constantly, I mean, constantly, there are these dating sites that are coming up. But I'm a big fan of it. And I think there's an art to writing your profile. There's an art to communicating and knowing when to go from, you know, online to offline. And, uh, you know, obviously that's what that's a big part of what I work with my, my ladies on. Oh, that's wonderful. So, I, you know, I just cannot believe that we are so close to the top of the hour. So I want to thank my guest, Raika Yagmai, for being on the show today. It has been a real delight for me. I'm Jan Jaffe, and it has been my privilege to have been your host today. I'd like to offer our listeners a free 30-minute discovery and strategy session. And for more information, you can email me at info at forwardtosuccess.com. And to find out more about Raika, visit her at datingwithconfidence.com. You can download her free training I'm sorry oh I'm sorry okay datingwithconfidencecoaching.com and you can download her free training the broken picker fixer there or you can email her and let me know if I don't have this correctly raika at datingwithconfidence.com is that correct raika at datingwithconfidence it's uh, raika at datingwithconfidencecoaching.com Okay, so sorry about that. Okay, so datingwithconfidencecoaching.com. And you're invited to share any comments or feedback on our website, lifecoachradionetworks.com. And in addition to my solo interview show, I also host 
think tank, a roundtable discussion, and I would be delighted if you would join us for our next episode of Think Tank on May 25th at 12 noon Eastern. So, Raika, would you care to share any closing thoughts, comments, website, uh, concert, album, video, or contact information with our listening audience? You are so multifaceted. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, you know, for if anybody, if anything we talked about resonated with the ladies and you're like, gosh, I wish I could just talk to Raika, um, you know, I do have um, – I do have a uh, complimentary dynamic dating breakthrough session, which I'd love to get together with you and talk to you and see how I can support you best. Uh, But you do have to apply for it because uh, it's by application and only women who are 100% ready and serious about creating their love life now, um, you know, will be accepted to have that kind of uh, free time with me. I'd always love to uh, kind of gift uh, inspired and in action uh, women who are just really serious about what they want to have. It, that really kind of turns me on as a coach. So I want to be be supportive in that, of that. So if you want to do that, just um, you know, email Raika at datingwithconfidencecoaching.com. And as Jan said, my uh, free training, which is actually the broken broken picker solution how to read men um we've just updated that so um you can you can grab that and uh, i i so enjoyed this time with you jan that was just fantastic i'm so energized oh wonderful and thank you so much raika i i too i really enjoyed this so much and um thank you so much for being on the show today. You know, I've, I've so enjoyed having you with us, and it has been a, an absolute treat for me. Now, I also want Aww. to remind our listeners that all of our contact and bio information is listed in today's show description. Uh, you just go to the actual link, and you will find the show description there, and I, I very well may, I will be updating any information on there Uh, uh, as soon as the show is over. So I'm just going to take a moment to announce a few of our upcoming shows. On this, the Life Coach Radio Network, um, tomorrow on May 12th at 10 a.m., and all the times are Eastern, 10 a.m., Maiden Solo Voyage on LCRN, Who is Dr. Nikki Tobias and How Does Coaching Work? On May 15th at 9 p.m., Mark My Words with Certified Life and Business Coach, the fabulous Mark Shaw. And on May 16th at 9 p.m., Leveraging LinkedIn with Certified LinkedIn Expert, Lucinda Roach. And on May 25th at 12 noon Eastern, Think Tank. And on our sister network, the Life Coach Chat Channel, on May 26th at 1 p.m., Radical Self-Care in Today's Busy World. So I want to again thank my wonderful guest, Raika Yagamai, Mm -hmm. for joining me today and making this show a very, very special one. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jan. And thank you so much, Raika. This has been an absolute treat. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>